Welcome to Honey and Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, and welcome to the series for our time during COVID and after called Look for the Helpers. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the show host. And as always, I am so thankful and grateful that you are tuning in and listening today. I'd love to hear how you enjoyed the last show, what was impactful for you, if there is anything else that you want us to explore more, or anything else that really resonated for you that made you think, hmm, you know what, this is definitely something that we could dedicate another episode on. So please let me know. You can send them to me via email, robin at imhomeschooling.com is my email address. You can go to the contact page on my website, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Or you can contact me via social media at Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids through Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoy the show and if it's provided value to you and you would like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. But if you find that this might not be the right time for you to become a patron, but you still want to support the show, you can do so by leaving a review at iTunes. And this helps the show to get seen, heard, and noticed by more listeners. So thank you very much for those who have been doing so. I appreciate that, and it helps the show to continue on. So our next guest, our next helper in this series is Teresa Wiedrich. And Teresa is a mom who's homeschooled her four children for over 10 years. Her oldest daughter actually is attending university out east right now. The other three are still at home. And Teresa is a wonderful helper to moms out there, to homeschooling families and parents. And she comes with fantastic insight and knowledge. So in this episode, we talk about learning, homeschooling, overwhelm, and engagement, engagement for parents and kids. And little did I know, but I found out while we we were recording that Teresa and her family have their own experience of living through an, an a pandemic, an outbreak, and living through isolation. So this interview is so timely and I found it really impactful. I think you will find Teresa has a lot of knowledge and wisdom, but also what I found, which is wonderful, is calm. You feel so much calm when you're talking with her. So I'd love to hear your feedback. And I talk, I'll introduce Teresa, tell a little bit more about her background once the interview gets started. Uh, but let me know what you think and if you have any other questions. All right. So today I have Teresa Wiedrich joining me on the show. Teresa, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be chatting with you today. I am too. So Teresa Wiedrich is eager to share the freedoms of the homeschool lifestyle with the skeptical, the intrigued, and the curious. Twelve years ago, she searched for arguments against homeschooling, and that search shifted her family's next decade. She is a hearty advocate of home education and encourages other homeschool families to turn their challenges into their charmed homeschool lives. 
Having homeschooled for more than 12 years, Teresa is very aware of the intense nature of this lifestyle. A mama has got to practice self-care so she can thrive, not just survive. Teresa is president of the British Columbia Home Education Association and will release her book, Homeschool Mama Self-Care, Thrive, Not Just Survive, very soon. She can be found online at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com and at Instagram at capturingthecharmedlife. But she cannot be found on Snapchat because she is too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) Truth. (laughs) So, Teresa... Maybe how many kids do you have? Maybe we can start with talking about um, you telling us a little bit more about yourself and your family. How many kids do you have? I have four kids. I've got a 19-year-old that's at University of Ottawa, a 17-year-old now who's in grade 11, a 14, almost 15-year-old, and an 11-year-old that definitely is a teenager. Okay. <laughs> okay. And your, your oldest is away at university. Okay. She is an independent okay. soul. Yeah, I'm sure now I'm like, oh, we could have a whole other conversation on all of that going from homeschooling to university, but we'll see where this goes as well, too. (laughs) And also on independent children. Yes, absolutely. That's great. (laughs) So as you know, every family that joins me and person that joins me on this podcast has a unique learning journey that I think it's really important to share. And usually this learning journey is based on each family's unique beliefs and framework and values around learning and self-expression. So you have been homeschooling for over 12 years. What were some of the guiding beliefs that brought you to that decision? Hmm. Well, I would say that my uh, initial notions of how I was going to do it was very schooled. I think I still am challenged by that. I still think in subjects. I think my notions of what learning is after 12 years has shifted dramatically. But I think right off the top, I had the kids all in a circle. I had my eight-month-old on my lap, and I had a little toddler basket for my, I think, two-and-a-half-year-old. And the grade three and grade one children were supposed to sit down at the desk at 8.30, and I rang the bell, and we did all of the classic yeah. <laughs> study subjects, and that lasted for two weeks. And since then, I've learned all sorts of different things about, I'd say, what an education really is, all about how kids really learn. And I think I've had a real education. So what would you say? What is an education to you? Hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, Participating in some work with the Ministry of Education over the last year as a BCHEA member, I got familiar with the Section 1213 legislation And I can't put it into exact words right now, but it summarizes how I feel about a child's education. And the goal is to develop a person, an individual, so that they can become what they're supposed to become, so that they get a sense of uh, their own sense of purpose and meaning in life. And they make contributions to those around them. And uh, I think it's that simple which is very large all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. So then is that section, just to be clear, is that in the homeschooling section or is that in the general education ministry for British Columbia section of the whole for students? I think it's in both. Yeah, it's actually a, a guiding value for both the School Act and for the homeschooling. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. So I'm going to ask... 
Um, do you seeing that it's in both? And this will probably be a question that comes up. Do you feel that that can happen within the school structure? Well, yes, I think it's possible. I would have said absolutely no in the beginning of homeschooling. But I think our influence as parents and how we present ourselves with kids, how we engage their education or just even the relationship we have with them, um, I think that is the most important aspect of how even a parent with a child at school can help to individualize an education. So yeah, I do think it can be done through the school system. I think um, oftentimes the reasons why people think the school system isn't the most favorable, I don't think it's really just do they get a wide breadth of education or do they get offerings in all different realms for an education? I think things like socialization or the social environment sometimes is very distracting for kids. And so then they're so tired and drained from the process of engaging at school that they are not able to focus on the things that maybe are really them, like the core curiosities that they have or the core aptitudes that they have. And mm -hmm. so when they they are not really focusing on that, then they're not developing it as much as they might be able to have if they have solitude or they have, you know, separate time or there's someone almost like a tutor, like a parent being uh, attentive to who they are and what they're about. But do I think it can happen in a school? Yeah, I think it still can when there's significant people that are connecting to them. I just think it's easier to be distracted. Right, right. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it can be very easy to be distracted. So then did your kids attend school? Did your oldest attend school before you decided to homeschool? Or what was, you said you were looking for reasons against homeschooling in the beginning? And then yeah. it, it changed? Or how did that, like, tell me how that happened? <laughs> well, it was interesting, because I actually, I, on a lark, I picked up a book to, uh, you know, I was on a vacation in Canmore. And I went to the bookshop and happened to be thumbing through books. I saw this one book by I think it's Lisa Rivero. And it was called the homeschooling option is homeschooling right for you. And of course, I knew it wasn't because I'm a mainstream kind of gal, you know, my kids are in a Christian school at that time, uh, grade two and kindergarten. And I'm thinking, yeah, no way too much work. Uh, I'm not that kind of mom. And I knew a bunch of friends that were homeschooling at the time. And they're just, I don't know, just a little more radical than I was. I'm, I'm just a mainstream kind of person. But I decided, uh, why not just decide what my arguments are against it? Because then I could actually have reasonable conversations with people and defend myself. And so over the course of the week, I read this book and the arguments did the exact opposite. And uh, <laughs> the same with my husband. I just kept bringing it to him going, look at this, look at this. He comes from a place where he's like, he has this medical degree. He worked as a pharmacist before he did medicine. And I, uh, and he has you know, he was the valedictorian in the school. So he's always done well in academics, whereas I was the kid that was missed. I was smart enough not to be um, a red light or a flag to most people. But at the same time, I 
did pediatric nursing later and I did dosages for kids and I required the use of a calculator to make sure it was done correctly because I don't think I knew how to properly subtract. And uh, so I think I had a lot of gaps and holes. Nonetheless, both of us come from very different academic places and we are coming to the same conclusion about is this the most ideal scenario a school or a homeschool for our kids' academics, for developing them into the people that they were meant to be and getting that personalized ed- education. And of course, alongside that really was the discussion about socialization. My oldest was a social butterfly. She, There were never any challenges socially for my kids, but there's an awareness, I think, that when we went through junior high, high school, that there was such a peer focus And we didn't want that for our kids to be the preoccupation of um, their developmental years. And, you know, the combination of those two things and probably, you know, honestly, dozens of other arguments that she had in that, um, that book really did convince me that this would be an incredible option for our family. But at a baseline, I think the word that represents why we decided to go over to the other side was freedom. Everything in that book just looked like freedom, freedom, freedom. And what was the name of the book again? The Homeschool Option. Uh, yeah, I should leave it at that. There's a little bit more to the title, but The Homeschool Option by Lisa Rivero. Okay, okay. Um, and then maybe, you know, if you don't mind, maybe you can speak a little bit to, you know, you, the peer focus. And you had brought up, you know, the, the preoccupation for the development years and how sometimes that can, um, yeah, that can affect, because I I think one of the things I also hear is some families say, well, you know, school, even when they say it's not about the academic schools, about the socialization for kids to learn how to socialize, to be with peers, to um, put up with hard things, to learn how to make friends, you know, sometimes to be, you know, learn how to be on their own if they're not included and so on and so on. Could you maybe expand a little bit more on your reasoning behind this? I I understand the reasoning is Mm -hmm. very clearly, but maybe if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think um, right off the top, I think socialization, the word in a homeschool realm, we're often asked about what about the kids socialization and that word means different things to different people. I think mostly people are concerned that our kids uh, don't have social opportunities that they Mm. joke and many people joke, but maybe they're locked in the basement or they're not leaving the house, which might be a concern right now for everyone, but uh, (laughs) we can finally know what that means. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How that works. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm actually good with it. My my teenage kids are not, (laughs) but social opportunity And socialization, how I think of it, social opportunity is can you get out and do extracurricular activities or do part-time jobs or, you know, all, you know, playdates or youth groups or et cetera. And we have endless opportunities like everyone else for those things. Socialization to me is more about the development of a person being able to engage other people, learning, you know, the values that we have about kindness and generosity and learning how to manage conflict and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those things, I, I think those things are learned most um, effectively 
when a kind, caring, interested, engaged parent is helping a child engage their social world. And I mean, I'm saying that, but I I, I keep thinking the words Gordon Neufeld, Hold On to Your Kids, Mm -hmm. a book that had a huge impact on me. And he he speaks in his research about how um, kids are the most attached, most connected when they are attached to their parents. And that doesn't mean that kids don't have places to manage conflict because, I mean, all you have to do is have more than one child and they are guaranteed (laughs) (laughs) to have conflict. And, you know, people talk about, well, will they get a chance to to deal with a bully? And um, yeah, there's the idea that, well, why would you want your child to be bullied? But there's also, but you might have birthed the bully as well. There is that. Mm. Uh, The behaviors that they... um, experience with each other is actually very socializing. However, I don't know too many people that are genuinely just in their house in four walls spending a month and a half doing nothing but figuring out how to be together, except for absolutely every family in North America right now. But before this um, health crisis, I don't think many families were experiencing that they were somehow some way rubbing shoulders with other families or um you know maybe in a a religious scenario or at soccer practice or all sorts of activities so i think um i guess really we socialize our kids most effectively when we have an engaged parent attending to them and trying to address how they engage other people Mm. yeah yeah absolutely I would add, as a parent that has done this long enough now, my oldest is 19, there is no perfect socialization. There's no perfect um, education, but there is definitely no perfect socialization because uh, that would require the potential for us to be perfect, especially as parents teaching our kids anything. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned about homeschooling is that I have a mirror right in front of me. I birthed Mm -hmm. the mirror. (laughs) And so I've learned all sorts of things about how I engage. And it's not pretty. Some days it really hasn't been pretty. And uh, that actually, I think, is the reason why many people wouldn't want to homeschool. And I can't blame them for that. Uh, But I think it's been also a profound way for us as parents to grow and learn and really learn what loving a person is. So I think that element of socialization is often underlooked, is how how we learn, and also that we aren't perfect in socializing our kids. Right. Yeah, we're not perfect, period. <laughs> That's what life is. <laughs> Learning right. along that path, because none of us are perfect, yeah. I'm trying to think where I was just recently reading what was it? Maybe it was Joseph Campbell. I've been getting into Joseph Campbell lately. And my husband has been a big Joseph Campbell fan for years and years. And I, you know, our time now, I took a book off the bookshelf. And and I think he had said something like, um, you know, perfectionism is actually boring. You know, <laughs> like he said something like when Buddha became enlightened, you know, he wasn't really, you know, it's 
it's those imperfect parts that we also as humans are drawn to, right? It, that's that process of life, Absolutely. that feeling of aliveness in so many ways, right? That aliveness, I know, I think that's what he talks about too is, you know, we're in life, it's like feeling that aliveness within ourselves. And, and I think that is part of the struggle as well. Mm, and, interesting. And, and I and I think that part is part of the beauty and the hard parts of homeschooling. And I, you hit the nail on the head where for some parents it becomes really difficult because that's the exact same thing I say. It's a, a mirror being held up to you a mm. lot. <laughs> Any parent has that, but you know, when you're home with your kids more often, like <laughs> everyone is seeing now uh, during this time that that mirror is not, it's not always easy to look in that mirror 12 hours in a day, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. and to see, it's great to see the great parts but then mm-hmm. those other parts where you're like, oh, that was exactly something that I would say. <laughs> and now and I hear it in my own ears. I hear it back to me. That's not so great. You know, those things are the it's the beauty of learning that and trying to better ourselves. But it's also the scary parts, too. And I, I like that. There's no perfect socialization. There isn't. That's so true. And you've also hit the nail on the head on what I've found the most challenging. So it's interesting when people get chatting, they reveal what their challenges are. And uh, in my book, I talk about different areas where people grapple with different experiences, which are really just human feelings, like perfectionism or feeling not good enough or um, anger or uh, loneliness or, you know, all sorts of different human experiences, but specifically in a homeschool mom realm. And perfectionism is for sure one of my largest challenges. Mm, Yeah, for many of us, absolutely. And especially when you have that mirror up, you want it to look great, right? Absolutely. (laughs) It wasn't long ago, uh, you know, I've been chatting in public where I've been doing things to try and help support unexpected home learners. I think you called them suddenly homeschoolers. Um, Mm -hmm. whatever their name is or however they would self-describe. But I genuinely feel for these families, like their their responsibilities now are gargantuan. We've had like a dozen years. We've had at least a few months to years figuring out how to be at home with our kids and to engage their learning and find meaningful work at home or create our, you know, our four walls. And even though it's a challenge for all of us in different ways, these families that have to bring their kids home and find a way to also work. And I just can't imagine like it, it would be overwhelming, I would think. Yeah, I, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I know I've talked to some of my friends that are, you know, they say, you know, we, I'm still working a 40 hour work week from home <laughs> while managing my kids and their school schedule as well. I, you know, I just need a little bit of, I need a bit of help or what can I do to keep them busy or, you know, so many questions, you know, but, but that also brings me to this as well, because I think this is a great way to ask you, um, because, you know, you talk about thriving, not surviving. And right now, I mean, this time, and, you know, this, you're part of the series where I've called it look for the helpers based on the Mr. Rogers quote that his mom would always say to him when he felt fear or saw a catastrophe or something on the news. And she would tell him to look for the helpers because then you would have hope. So in this time where everyone is, yeah, I call them suddenly, I think it was Julie, Julie Bogart had, had made that suddenly at home schoolers or, you know, trying to do this from home. 
you know, what, how would you, what advice would you have for parents to help them get past the survival part or maybe even how they can start surviving so that they can then start to thrive? You know, so for, maybe we can start with one question first. So those ones that are trying to do school at home while working from home, mm-hmm. how can they maybe find a bit of balance or um, um, even, I mean, I don't want to say connection just yet, but really so much of it comes down to that connection, right? But mm-hmm. maybe what are some first steps that they can they can do? Well, right off the top, I mean, I wrote this book before all of this went down and I thought I should put it on the back burner because I thought, well, okay, there's homeschool mama self-care and then I don't know what this is, but this is a <laughs> whole different story. I don't think that I should be able to address this. And then I happened to talk to someone that is into podcasting and it's also a book publisher. And she said, no, no, this is the perfect time for what you're talking about. I just think that what I offer, no matter what perspective we have in in helping other families, the reality is this is really big for all of us. But I look at what I've written, I'm editing, I'm in the process of editing right now. And I look and I go, yeah, that's right. That's how, you know, reminder of my, to myself, the biggest thing I think is to know what your purpose is, which Mm -hmm. isn't really an exciting, like, here's your routine for the day. Start at eight, do this, nine o'clock, do this. Okay. When you need to get an activity done quickly, then put your kids in front of a dot, dot, dot. That, that is, I, I definitely can talk about those things, but I think knowing what your purpose is will help undergird your practical activities throughout the day. So it's like a radical time that helps us reimagine our lives, our family's lives. But I, you know, having said that, we can have our existential crises and figure out how do we focus our lives and how to have purpose in our lives And that, of course, really is the biggest thing. But I think we have an opportunity right now to look at our children, if we haven't had them at home before, and wonder at what are their aptitudes and where are they curious and what do they like learning and how do they like learning? Instead of trying to fulfill the Zoom classes or whatever online classes everybody has, and following all the the practical expectations of the the teachers or the schools, I think the goal should be to how is any of this serving my child? Um, specifically, your child, and learning about what your child enjoys or how they like to learn, and then you can start including those activities in your daily routine. But because I'm saying that, I'm aware that if people really are watching those things, they might actually just want to say to a teacher, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I have three kids. I have way too many appointments for my kids, let alone my stuff. I I mean, I would gladly take up um, the torch for an academic reform I think it's going to happen here anyways. That's my, my yeah, sense. There's way is. too much going on, right? It's, it's yeah. overwhelming for the teachers. Like my sister is a teacher and has five children at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's learning how 
to, um, and, and many are, but learning how to do online teaching at the same time that she's also got kids. And that's one story of many different stories out there that people are trying to manage all the, what they're doing. But I think really, I think the biggest thing would be to say, you know, this isn't work for, working for me. I can see how my child learns and we need to do this differently. Because I think if I give ideas of, you know, I, and I can and I have, um, you know, use screen time sparingly, I think that has value because when you really need it, then you can use it at a point that it is, a, you know, part of the day where you really need quiet right now. Because I've spent 12 years learning how to work with my kids in the room. And I still at times find that challenging. So I don't right. think anyone's going to have quick success in learning how to work with their kids in the same room without, you know, impatience. Um, but I think there's a lot of ideas that people could be given to, you know, put an alarm clock outside your room for 20 minutes and let the kids know that when the alarm clock goes off, you are available to chat. And when you're with them, you will give them full eye contact, full connection time, or use screen time peppered throughout the day. There's a lot of different ways to approach how to get your work done and also how to have your kids with you. But I think the biggest thing is this isn't working. We need to change how kids are learning right now or how they're engaging learning opportunities right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, and I think as well for most for most teachers, they also would agree that if a parent said, you know what, right now my, my you know, we're all struggling at home. Could we, you know, we might not be available these days of the week and we'll just try our best to do these things, but we might not be able to finish them all. Or is there something else we can do? Or can we check in? I'm at work through the day and I'm home in the evenings and I'd like to help my child, but, you know, we can't, you know, when they're on with you during the day, I miss all of this. Is there something else that, you know, what other, can I read with them at night instead? And we just talk about it and then maybe we videotape something and send it to you so you know their understanding or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many routes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do think teachers are more flexible than some may think. And they are also very understanding because they understand the importance of the emotional support too and how that is so needed for the learning, (laughs) you know, in neuroscience and brain science. And, you know, you need those, um, those pathways, those neurons that are, they're built and, and the foundation is laid for that emotional well-being. I think everybody would be happier and, would I mean everybody has different stories and they have different reasons for not wanting to be at home or um, you know whatever their challenges are right now they might not have a job at home they might actually not have a job at all right now then a whole different kind of stress Um, but I think if the system you know if they are locked in at present or they're part of the education system their child is part of the education system it would be ideal in my mind if people could, families could be directed to creating a routine in their day that doesn't, that could be more about learning opportunities and creating a routine where, yeah, once a day, everybody exercises. It doesn't have to be at the same time, Uh, but everybody exercises or everybody goes outside or everybody has a common quiet time. Everybody sits down to read um, you know, or, or maybe, you know, when you have older kids, they have more independence. So I'm not thinking everybody's doing it all at the same time. But if you include the things that are important, learning opportunities will arise. 
kids will, if they have enough time and um, an interested, you know, engaged parent that can help them find resources, they could actually develop some real interesting um, paths. Like they could actually start following down some interesting paths that might help develop their own sense of person and definitely educate, even though it might not look like a conventional education, like something out of a workbook with a Zoom lecture and, you know, testing at the end of it. Mm, yeah. And I do, you know, you had mentioned this before. And um, yeah, I agree that I think when all of this is said and done, there's going to be so many changes in our world, not just in education, other other places as well. But I do think that many are going to relook at the structure of education and how things are done as well and um, approach things differently. I, I hope, but I do think that that is going to happen. And, you know, maybe some of the things that maybe we're really concerned or some parents are really concerned about with their kids and learning right now um, – we, we might relook at, you know, standardized testing or, you know, some of those things that are not um, as meaningful. I I'm think, to think that's the right word. But. I think um, when I'm looking at the world right now, my husband is an emergency physician. He's the chief of staff at our hospital, our local hospital. And people have become so industrious at this time mm. you know like uh, me and a couple of other ladies in the general area started an online homemade mask group and you know at present I think there's about 800 people attached to that and that's only about the last few weeks and I got you know engaged across the country and and helped to start a few different things in different places across the country but lots was already going on and you know quickly people identified that people needed masks so there was that movement and then there were uh, different colleges and different very scientific minded people that developed 3D masks in this area and people that are trying to create ventilators. Um, it, that's just the, the medical realm, but there are so many different aspects to industry. The way people are bringing their, their work online or their businesses online, or, you know, this is a completely off educational topic, but I really enjoy watching Ryan Reynolds on uh on Instagram, he sells gin. So this is not wow. anything related to education, but he's- No, I think it all relates actually in the end, so. <laughs> yeah, because it's like becoming industrious and trying to connect, yeah. trying to uplift and be supportive of people and at the same time, create industry. And, you know, there's just one, one example after another just reveals that when people are um, put in a scenario where they've got nothing to do, and they have a lot more quiet time, I guess. They get really indus industrious and mm. clever. I'm going to have to check out Ryan Reynolds' Instagram. I heard someone mention something about it, but I haven't been there. So I will have to go there after you and I chat. <laughs> and if I have somehow encouraged someone towards a 12-step program, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but I have tried his aviation gin and it's very good. And Ryan Reynolds can pay me later for this advertising. <laughs> okay, someone, if anybody knows Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> connect him to the two of us, okay? Yes. <laughs> we are also fellow Canadians, so. <laughs> yes, and that would be enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Well, a long, talking along, Jan, no. <laughs> I was actually going to say if, if you would talk a little bit about self-care as well, because I think that's also something that's important. Anytime <laughs> for homeschooling moms, <laughs> for home, at any, but also now as well. I mean, how, well, one, how, why is self-care important? And then I was going to ask, how do we find it in a space where we don't actually have a lot of space, where maybe we are not going too far outside of our homes and, you know, everyone, we have you know, a house full of kids and our spouse and everything else going on. Hmm, absolutely. Because I am feeling it the same way that everyone else is. They're experiencing, I don't know if it is the common anxieties in the world or the common intensity, whatever it is. I actually live in a lovely part of the province of BC. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> And I have a homestead and it's a tiny little homestead, but I'm outside the town so I can walk for an hour and not see anyone. I have mountains and a river and chickens and a beautiful dog and it's gorgeous where I live. And yet it's still a challenge for me. At times I can feel the intensity. Of course, I have the the awareness of what's going on in the healthcare around me too. But I think really... You can try to eke out spa visits right now, but good luck with that. But I actually don't think self-care is really about, you know, spa visits or dark chocolate consumption or Netflix Netflix marathons. Although I really want to try a Netflix marathon. I keep trying and I just keep falling asleep. <laughs> but I think uh, it's mostly about grappling with our thoughts. Our thought life influences how we experience life. And so we need to learn to challenge our thoughts. Just, you know, maybe overwhelm. I think overwhelm is probably common to a lot of people right now. This idea that they have to be able to do everything. They have to keep up on their work and they have to keep up on their kids' education. And uh, they're also worried about their family's health or, you know, there's a pandemic right now. So there's a bit of a concern there. They're watching the news. There's all sorts of things that are stimulating us and making us feel like we are responsible for all of this. And we have to somehow maintain a sense of control. We can't lose our temper when our kids are acting crazy or they're upset with each other. And we can't go outside. Maybe people don't have our outdoors or the outdoors that I have and they just have a balcony. You know, how do you manage that intense emotion? And truthfully, I'm not a Zen master. I have my own internal challenges, but I really do think that challenging our thoughts and asking ourselves when we're feeling really intense, going to a quiet place, laying on a yoga mat, asking ourselves, what are you really feeling under there? What is the thing that is the real challenge underneath? And then asking ourselves, are you sure it's 100% true what you're thinking? Mm-hmm. Could there be another way of thinking about it? And there always is, because as soon as you talk to your partner or you talk to a friend, you discover that they're not actually coming from the same point of reference as you. So then asking yourself, is what you're thinking true? Maybe there is an alternate approach, a different way of thinking about something. And then actually considering a few options of maybe it could be some other radical or some other different choice or different way of thinking. Entertain them and then ask yourself which which of those directions really would cause you 
to create a story, I guess, in your life that really does have the best outcome. And so I'm not saying like make something up that isn't true, but I am saying like ask yourself, what's the reason I'm feeling overwhelmed? For me, it would be because I'm trying to do everything and I'm trying to do everything perfectly. And so is that realistic? Is right now a time where it's unprecedented? Nobody knows how to engage this. Um, What's it like to live through a pandemic? We don't know. Does anybody have the book on that? No. (laughs) So then maybe give ourselves grace, accept ourselves for our imperfections and question uh, what what does parenting in a pandemic really look like? How should it look? Maybe it shouldn't look like anything. Maybe we should just try to absorb it and learn it or learn from it. But one tool that I, I do suggest, which I'm pretty sure sounds crazy, is to stand in front of a mirror when you're feeling the most intense and talk to yourself like you are your own friend. Oh, that's a good one. It sounds really weird, but it is very effective looking at yourself. So I, I think with I think that's a great one. One, it's it's a it can be confronting, but at the same time, you're also approaching yourself with some more kindness and compassion by talking to yourself as a friend. Because mm-hmm. usually we, you know, that whole saying of we treat others better than we would treat ourselves <laughs> or something True. like that. You know, we're so approaching it as like with kindness and compassion, and it would really help to give a different framework and story for our mind. I, I really, I connect with that. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. And so when I'm reading, when I'm editing, I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wild thing when you're a writer and you look back and go, well, that was really wise. I think I forgot about that. But actually... <laughs> Not, not really, because this has been so in my, um, my learning, my personal learning for so many years that that notion of questioning your, your thoughts. I mean, I've, I've discussed this with the formative people in my life that they know to say, Hey, but I know you're feeling that, but is it really true? (laughs) Mm. Have those reminders set out outside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But life is growing and it's learning, right? Yeah, it is. It really is. And what about your kids? How are they adjusting to everything right now? Right over, probably for the first few weeks, they were fine. And I can remember in the beginning, you know, I'm doing all this work online for the homemade masks. And then we as a family knew that there were a bunch of college age kids or high school level kids that were coming back from big trips. So we were trying to find a way to encourage them to stay home and not mix with other people. So we thought about creating an Instagram page. This is my kid's idea. Um, And so they were very focused on that for the first little while. Actually, it was really funny because my 11-year-old was uh, helping. And I just thought, well, I'll just let him do whatever he wants to do because I don't know that he can really help the 17 and the 15-year-old. But it turns out he created an entire website in the afternoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> I had no idea he could do that. But um, so then they were working on that for the first few weeks and trying to encourage other kids to come home. But it was also me trying to you know, harness their energy And I was pretty intent on not focusing on the news, which I think is potentially anxiety producing. But I I think um, 
I can see that there is some element right now there, it kind of goes in waves where it feels like they start to get more bored and more intense. And then it has to kind of release in some negative energy. And then they find their thing again, and they go back into their activities again. And then they're, you know, find some new activity, they're doing all sorts of different things. Um, But I think overall, I think they're doing really well. We have traveled a lot. And like my, my oldest daughter is 19. She is still at, um, in Ottawa. She told me when I said, well, do you just want to come home? And she said, "Uh, mom, I'm independent. And if I can't, (laughs) if I can't live on my own in a pandemic, then when can I? (laughs) That is all you need to know about that child. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She's got it going on fine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the truth is, we actually traveled in West Africa in the Ebola crisis. And so like, this is, this is nothing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You've been through the pandemic. You, you can write the book on the pandemic then. (laughs) No, I can't. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm going to write that book. I think I'm learning so much about myself right now that, yeah, no, Mm -hmm. but I would recommend Dr. Daniel Amen though, who is um, the reason why in my homeschool mama self-care book that I probably about half the book is really discussing how homeschool moms engage their different thought challenges, like I was saying about perfectionism or failure or anger, or I think there's about six or seven different areas. And um, it's, he's the base for that. Or he was the first person I was exposed to that taught about challenging your thoughts. And I really would recommend people engage his stuff on Facebook. He does lives every day. Um, He is a medical doctor that uh, I think he focuses on psychiatry and brain scans. And and he really gives a lot of perspective on how to engage emotional challenges. Okay. I'll include all those ones you mentioned too. I'll include in the show notes. And yeah, I I have not heard of Dr. Daniel Amen. I will definitely go and check him out. So yeah, that it's important. Absolutely. It's, I think this is also the time too, where we have a bit of space and time to, you know, like you said, um, really it's rewriting that script, right? It's, it's, uh, looking at our mindset and evaluating our mindset and seeing where we can shift and change for the better. And, um, you know, what's, worked before may not be, you know, it may have all been more of a coping mechanism than, you know, the survival. It ha- maybe it wasn't surviving. You thought it was thriving, but it really was just surviving. And now it really bubbles up in this circumstance. And I think everybody's in that vice. I think everybody has different stories about how mm-hmm. that vice is manifesting, but I think everyone is there. Yeah, everyone. I agree. I, I think so too. Every single person. And I, I think even, you know, even homeschoolers who maybe for a majority or a lot of homeschoolers, maybe it hasn't affected it, us a huge amount because, you know, we're used to, you know, we're at home with our kids and however anybody chooses to homeschool and support learning and, you know, you can, you get into your rhythms and, but, you know, we're still affected. There's still big changes, whether it's, if it's a, someone that's not working and bringing in an income or, you know, activities and things being out in the community that you're really used to, that you no longer have available to you. Um, 
you know, for those who I know I've spoken with some who live in an apartment in the city mm-hmm. and their homeschooling has been like they go out every day outside of their home just because mm-hmm. to explore and get into nature. And now they cannot at all. You know, it's a bit hard. confining. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, everyone has a different circumstance, but everyone is going through something for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I do truly think that this is the most challenging part. It's grappling with the emotional challenges that we have. But um, in in my book, I do address all sorts of different things, right, from, you know, PMS, pregnancy, perimenopause, and, and, you know, essential oils, which is not really my forte, but I think we all have at least one friend that sells them. So we need yes. to know. Or two, or three, yes. <laughs> yes. It's like the Tupperware thing of the 1980s, right? Yes, that's right. Yes. But they have, they have their value. Um, I think it'd be fun just to create spa days with our kids. You know, if there's a sweet spot with our kids at a certain age, and mine are not at that age anymore. When they were younger, they always wanted to do spa days. And I'm like, yeah, I will lay down on a mat and you can massage me for (laughs) half an hour (laughs) and serve me cucumber water. And yeah, (laughs) we could do those things. I really think we'd be wise to to include that kind of um, focus, even just creating memories every day instead of what's going on in the world and being concerned about what's going on there, but more, how do I create memories with my kids today instead of how do I get my work done or how do I get my kids to get their work done? Mm, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing, creating memories. Absolutely. Because that's what stays after all of this when they are parents with their kids and they look back, whether it's repeated or not, or they look back and their kids ask them, ask them about this time in history. How was it? What kind of memories do they, do you want them, you know, or would you like to have the response be like, it was a time when my parents and I, you know, we laughed and that's the time I find, found this out and we were better connected or it was a really rough time or yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great uh, way to put it is creating the memories is so important. And I think uh, on Instagram, I put a, a video discussing how we can support unexpected home learners with teenagers. And I think it is like, even though it's very disappointing for a lot of teenagers right now, because they don't get to do their grads and they've been prepping for all these different activities. um, And I feel for them for that. And at the same time, it's like this huge potential opportunity to explore what are they really all about? What do they really care about? Where do they really want to go after this? What What's the most important thing for them? And even though it, it's really hard, and especially that age is really hard, they have to figure out how to process all that. It's like this huge potential to grow and learn and kind of like kickstart their lives almost months in advance and you know, really think about how they're going to spend the next few years, not just the way that maybe they originally thought. So I think in some ways they're really advantaged. Mm, Yeah, I actually didn't think about it that way because I definitely hear a lot of teenagers who are at home now who's, you know, who are very, um, really big into their social scene as well, Mm -hmm. that they're having a hard time because they can't go to parties or, you know, the friend hangout is not there and they're really kind of, um, they feel very disconnected and are having a hard time reconnecting at home because they're so disconnected from their peer group and thinking about all the things that they could be doing or could be happening. 
So yeah, that's a great way to put it that they actually are an advantage of thinking, you know, beyond what, you know, what will life look like? What could it look like? You know, what are, and and doing that now. And I think my kids actually are also in that place where they're like, especially as, um, you know, kids of a doctor, they really aren't going out to see friends. And I know that there are some parents that are, allowing their kids to do that. And even though I like, I, I don't think it's ideal for the pandemic, I certainly understand it because wow, that's, it's so challenging for teenagers or anybody with mental health issues or addictions. Mm-hmm. I think those folks somehow, uh, somehow they need something outside of their four walls for sure. And yet um, it, it, I think we are most at peace with other people when we're the most at peace inside ourselves. So it really is like an opportunity. And I know I I have teenagers, so I know what I'm talking about. This is really hard for them right now. And yet when as a human being that's grown up a little bit over the years, we have an opportunity to be by ourselves, then we have to actually figure stuff out within ourselves. So then we can actually be with people in a more authentic way, or we shed, we shed, um, like you said, coping mechanisms or, you know, just less effective approaches with people. So then Mm -hmm. it's almost like they have to rethink how they engage people. And I don't, I don't want the pain of this all. I don't want to make it sound like the pain of this all is beautiful, but I think I've had enough pain in my life as I'm sure many have, but I've learned that it's bittersweet. It's definitely better in the moment, but it teaches so much that it actually helps to clarify what we're all about and how we relate to people. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I actually feel like all those years people worried about homeschool socialization, they really should be more concerned about the the moms and then they should be about yeah. the kids because we're usually driving kids everywhere and we're chatting superficially with the piano teacher than the dance teacher and whatever. But in the last few weeks, I feel like I am connecting with so many people and the bittersweet, I think, benefit to all of this is that people are shedding their extra, you know, time spent in not such important activities. And now they're connecting more with each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That's what my husband had said, actually, the other day, too. He was like, I know this is straining. And, you know, this is going on for a while, you know, all of the all of those things. Right. But he said, you know, because we are one of those families, too, where by probably after four o'clock, we're out of the house and we're gone the whole evening because my kids do a lot of sports and activities and coaching and, you know, things like that, that they're involved in. So most evenings we're not around. So the one thing, as much as we are home during the day and yes, we're a close homeschool family, we are not together at night and like for dinner and things like that. And my husband has said that's been his favorite part is that we eat dinner together at the table every night. And to be honest, we we haven't done that. Like unless it's like a Christmas holiday or something where there's no sports or tournaments going on or something like that. So yeah, it's, 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 there are, there is beauty in it. Absolutely. And, and I, and I know my, you know, that is one of the things because of that, that is what has been harder for my kids too. And, you know, they miss the friends and the engagement with friends as well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, my, we're saying, you know, some, at the same time, they're, they, it's like a content, I think is the word, 
You know, it's just that there's a bit of peace, right? The, the rushing isn't there, the concern to hurry and do everything. And, you know, my daughter had made a list the other day and she she was, you know, wanted to make this list and was checking things off as she did it. And then she said something like, I'm behind on my time that I'd written. But then mm-hmm. she said, but you know what? I don't need to rush. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of like, but I don't need to rush. Like I have the time to complete this. <laughs> You have all year or whatever number of months or weeks. (laughs) I hope not. Yeah, no. And it was just kind of that she, you know, that, yeah, I don't need to rush. (laughs) Maybe we've rushed before, but it's not needed. It's It's not applicable right now. No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's finding the beauty in it, right? That's the beauty in the darkness sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't say it lightly because, I mean, uh, my kids definitely would like to go out and they have a, you know, they have actually many dance classes online and they have a youth group that is very different online than it is in real time. <laughs> it's not, it's not less noisy, that's for sure. Because sometimes they're just yeah. running around the house. And I'm like, what are they doing? Why did they grab a banana? What does that have to do with what they're doing? <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny, but, but it's lovely. It creates memories too. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And I think, yeah, I think I saw my kids when we did, we went to um, Ghana one one year and we went to Kenya a different year. And when we went to Ghana, it was a very different experience than Kenya. Kenya was very, almost like Disneyland compared. Mm-hmm. The climate was so challenging. We had to pass through a cholera outbreak. We had to clean in our Ga- water. In Ghana you did? or In, Kenya Ghana. in Ghana. Yeah, in Ghana. And that was during the Ebola crisis that year. So many people didn't show up as volunteers. And we didn't, we didn't know the severity of it until we got there. It wasn't a place that had Ebola. It was just that World Health Organization anticipated it would go there because of the footpath and the hospital availability. And that's why we were there is to volunteer at the hospital. And when we got there, we discovered a couple of doctors were quarantined for hemorrhagic fever, which was not Ebola, but it looked like Ebola. Mm. And, you know, my husband did have a patient that died unexpectedly and never did discover why. And it looked like that. Um, but there was all that kind of intensity that we were living in with the four kids. And my oldest did not want to be there. And it was literally like living within four walls for her for a few months. And the heat was oppressive. She had to brush off bugs. She was 14. She had to brush off bugs off her bed every morning. Um, We let her watch a comedy. I wouldn't even say the name, but a comedy series that... um, (laughs) We would not have necessarily allowed our other kids at that age to do that, but she was not happy in those four walls. So I found it really, really interesting that she was coaching my second daughter a few weeks ago and said, listen, what you need to do is just lower your expectations of what your day looks like. And my second daughter is really academic focused and she's just very driven and uh, very productive. And my my oldest daughter, who's also very productive now, but she said, you need to lower your, your expectations and you need to just decide that today she's living on her own in Ottawa. And she said, 
Today, I'm going to clean the kitchen. And that is my goal, is to clean the kitchen. And when I have done that, then I will have, you know, accomplished something really important today. And I, the way she phrased it, the way she talked to her sister, I just thought, wow, you sound like you're 60. <laughs> you know, yeah. you just have this kind of wisdom and clarity in how to engage all of this. And uh, I, I think, I don't know, I thought that was a really interesting translation from her experience in Ghana as a 14-year-old and her, you know, five years later in, in an apartment in Ottawa, a very different, a, a similar transition, but she has matured a lot and had a lot to share. Yeah, talk about a huge learning experience, and that's so valuable. I think for, you know, that's great advice to her sister, but to even all of us as adults as well. That's exceptional advice. And I who really knew- don't, yeah, I really don't think that these difficult times are the worst of it. I think it's a really, it's a benefit, and I don't enjoy the moment, but I do know that we benefit from it. Yeah. And and and, the th- and who knew at that time when, you know, she was struggling and you guys were concerned about her and, you know, how things would turn out for her and that it would come to, you didn't know, you can't foresee the future, but the gift that it gave. Exactly. That's also a child that I radically unschooled for six months because she just really didn't enjoy learning. And then now she is at a social sciences program uh, that she's intending to do a master's in counseling. So it's it's pretty funny watching kids, the experiences that you give them when they're younger and you think that they're locked into a certain, you know, um, future and they radically shift because they're just very, very interesting, very diverse or, you know, very um, complex, I guess, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually very interesting. And she's at the University of Ottawa right now? Uh, well, she's online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. But otherwise, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, very interesting. It's, you know, it's mapping that out. Or I think that's also the interesting part of it is because you you don't know. And probably mm-hmm. now looking back, you probably see the little tidbits or the parts of the spider web that those lines that connected it all together that mm-hmm. brought her to that center of focus. But during, during all of it, did you, were you able to see all of it or have an idea of where it would go? I genuinely hope that she listens to this podcast episode because <laughs> she is giggling right now as you say that. That is an episode all to itself. This child has been confounding to me, truly, from the beginning. She she really, if I look back, I look at day two and I go, whoa, she is my first child. I was a postpartum nurse and I really had, you know, the cue cards to teach parents when they left the hospital with their babies. And by day two, <laughs> I was confounded. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I had no idea how it, how it would manifest, or frankly, I still don't. Well, let, let's schedule another episode to talk about that. <laughs> yes, I love you, Hannah. Let's chat. Let's, let's do a three-way conversation. Be fabulous. Yes, that would, that would be awesome, actually. If Hannah did come on, that would be very cool. She would. I'm and sure, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I'm very, um, I felt very, complimented the other day when she compared me to Plato. Wow. That's <laughs> I was like, wow, the last five years have been a radical shift. Wow. Yeah. And I was going to say, I'm sure there's probably many parents who would have questions that they would like to send in for Hannah and for you around that, but I'm sure especially for Hannah too. Yes. I'll ask her for <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I know we're getting to our <laughs> I know we're getting to our time now and um I mean, yeah, I mean, you already know we could dive off into three other whole episodes here <laughs> on different <laughs> parts, but I, there are no questions that come up. But, but to, I think I, w- I want to ask to end that is, you know, we're talking about look for the helpers. And if you're looking for the helpers that you know that there's hope. So what are ways that you suggest that we could maybe find those helpers today or even be one ourselves? I genuinely think that this podcast is exactly that. I think what you're doing is really helping people. And I appreciate that. I really loved finding you, I think a year ago. Yeah. And I think like your whole focus on self-directed learning is, is where it's at, I guess. And I think we can encourage other people to go here and listen and learn. I think the Julie Bogart, um, John Taylor Gatto and John Holt, if you have any extra time at all, reading from those three helps shift our notions of what an education really is. And it will give you all sorts of freedom to think outside what you have as a, you know, been given as a prescription for an education. So if you can read on those things, you'll be surprised at how much mental freedom you have and how do you actually approach your child's education. And um, not with the intent of, um, you know, just talking about my book, but things that I've written in my book or thing other people also have written about grappling with your thoughts. I call it thought self-care, but really questioning your thoughts. Is what I think true? Is it 100% certain that it's true? Could there be alternative perspectives to what my thought is? And what would be the outward manifestation of those thoughts? And choosing the best choice that uh, of a thought that actually has the story that you would like at the end. I think that that really can influence your experience right now. And you can find all sorts of resources like that online. But I think that when you are being helped, you're going to be able to help your family member or your community or your children or whoever. And we can all kind of have that domino effect of being the helpers for each other. Mm, Yeah, that's exactly the domino effect of being the helpers for each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. We can fall into the next one and, and create that line. That's so true, starting with ourselves, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Teresa, where can we find out more? You know, I know I've mentioned in the beginning, but if we could, you could just mention it again, your website, Instagram, and any other ways that if we want to track you down and, and harass you and questions and anything <laughs> like that, or just be in touch and find your book that's coming out that you're completing, uh, can you give us that information? Yeah. Um, CapturingTheCharmLife.com is my blog and uh, same name for Facebook and Instagram. I am officially on Twitter, but only so that I can see what my husband's up to. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, You sound so similar to me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's recently going on in American politics, I can find it there (laughs) if I really want to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's primarily where I am. I'm trying to create uh, or I'm trying to connect in with, I would say, my closer sphere or my homeschool mama self-care tribe on my newsletter every week. Uh, in the last little while, I've definitely made sure that there were more than a few self-care strategy newsletters. And so I'm sharing from 
not just from my own experiences, because um, I'm learning from so many as well about self-care strategies right now. And when I talk self-care, it's not just about thoughts. I've got all, all many, many different aspects to self-care. So probably the best place to join is through Facebook. I do have um, a few PDFs available there about homeschool mama daily affirmations that I do once a day or most days. And uh, I do have 19 tips for COVID-19 learners. I don't know that anybody wants to be called that, (laughs) but (laughs) it came off quickly when I was writing it. It was clever, I thought. And um, I've got a few resources there. So if you want to connect in with me there, then that'll bring you into my newsletter. Okay. And that's through Facebook that we can connect with you for those downloads? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. And you are a wealth of knowledge and information. I love chatting with you. Me too. I knew I would enjoy chatting with you. Fun to listen to. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I'm just picturing you and Nelson right now. I mean, I'm giving away where Teresa lives. Sorry, but it's such an an amazing place. I, uh, I love, I love that area. And it it is, it has its own little magic kind of hidden away in the Kootenays there. It really does. Yes. Yes. We're going to soon start our marijuana grow up to join the crowd. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I do have tomatoes that are on the homeschool room table right now. And they really are tomatoes. Well, yeah, if anybody doesn't know the background of Nelson, that is aptly. Come for a visit. You will know, yeah. Not to mention we live in Canada, but still, yeah. And it's a lovely place where many lovely, very authentic, kind people live. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. (laughs) Okay, thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com.